0: Now, will you stand with me, please? Numbers chapter 27. My subject today is, What do you do when all of your boys are girls? Numbers 27 and verse 5. And Moses brought their cause before the Lord. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, The daughters of Zelophehad speak right. Thou shalt surely give them a possession of an inheritance among their father's brethren and thou shalt cause the inheritance of their father to pass unto them what do you do when all of your boys are girls God bless you you may be seated we have a book in the Bible number four called Numbers and without it being any type of a revelatory insight, it's really Numbers. And uh, you look at the first chapter of the book of Numbers, and it gives us a very detailed accounting of how many men between the ages of 20 and 50 are um, qualified to serve in the military. And um, you get down towards the end of that chapter, and it says... 603,550 men. And, uh, I, you know, I, I've said this for, for many, many years. You, you, you have to understand that Israel, for all practical purposes, they are an agriculture, agricultural community. They're, they're farmers. And that's why there's so much Bible about animals. And, boy, is there a lot of Bible about the land that small little place known today as the nation of Israel it's so it's really not that big about the size of Rhode Island but um, it's in the paper if it's not every day it's every week and it's still figuring very prominently in political circles basically Jerusalem is the capital of the world when you read the Bible and um, when Jesus began his ministry, Luke chapter 4, he went to Nazareth, it said, and as his custom was, he went to the synagogue, and there was delivered unto him the book of Isaiah. Uh, you've possibly heard of something called the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, I think it was 1947, a young Herder, a little not a, not a very old boy, was herding uh, animals and just out of boredom was throwing rocks inside of caves and uh, heard something crack and he, he he it 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 wasn't like the other noises so he invest climbed up investigated it, found out his rock had broken uh, uh, a clay pot and inside of that pot was a scroll. And uh, with time, those have been referred to as the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's, it's very interesting when you read the story of the Dead Sea Scrolls, the one that really survived pretty much intact was the Book of Isaiah. And uh, specifically Isaiah 53, where, you know, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity, chastisement of our peace, all that, all that there. and. Uh, but uh, when Jesus began his ministry, he read Isaiah chapter 61. He said the, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the poor and opening of the prison to them that are bound and on and on. Quoted that, then it says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And uh, that, that won't mean much to people if they don't understand Leviticus 25. Leviticus 25 is uh, devoted to what is known as the Jubilee. A Jubilee, uh, the, the, the feast for, for uh, basically most practical applications, they're there a day or just a couple days long. You know, Passover was one day unleavened bread one day, first fruits one day, Pentecost one day, you know. um, But when you deal with Jubilee, it is not a day, it's a year. Every 50th year was known as the year of Jubilee. And um, so you were gonna experience one in your lifetime, maybe, maybe you would experience two, but it was set up so that everybody would experience at least one in their lifetime. And the the whole purpose of Jubilee was for families who had lost the family farm to get it back. That's why it talks about getting rid of the embarrassment and the bruise and, and, and all the shame that was attached to that. If you lost the land that was parceled out to you, it was was devastating. But you never lost it entirely. You, every 50 years, so it was kinda cool because what appears went on was every day of that year somebody or possibly more than one were getting the original family land back in their possession. And, and, and so that land, even to this day, is, it's, it's really not beautiful land. You're not talking about magnificent dirt like is in Iowa's cornfields. You're, 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 you're talking about arid land, a lot of rocks, a lot of deserts. But it was given and promised to Abraham. And um, in Numbers 26, the land, Moses is doing this, the land is parceled out to the families. And, and I'll just, I'll give you the cliff notes. Here's Numbers 26 and verse 12. The sons of Simeon and their family. And it tells what the sons of Simeon, they're going to get. 20, the sons of Judah. Verse 23, the sons of Issachar. 26, sons of Zebulun. 29, sons of Manasseh. 35, the sons of Ephraim, 41, the sons of Benjamin, 42, the sons of Dan, 48, the sons of Naphtali. There is one glaring absence in this story of the land being given to all these families. There's no women mentioned. It was all these, the sons got the land. And and if you, it's pretty amazing how many times in the Bible women, if they are mentioned, they're not numbered like the men. Um, uh, Numbers fourteen and verse twenty one. This is uh, the story of the five thousand being fed, and they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside the women and the children. <laughs> it's just, uh, um, just so many times, there's so many examples I can give you in the Bible where if the women are mentioned, they're not numbered and they're not named. But in Numbers 27, we have a wonderful exception to that story. We have the account of the five daughters of a man named Zelophehad. Their father had died, and like me, all of his boys were girls. And uh, when the land was parceled out, they were, le- they were left out. And so they went to Moses, and they pled their case. They knew their history. You know, they said, our dad perished in the wilderness. However, he never sided with that rebel Korah. Um, we want... What's rightfully ours? And Moses, it said, petitioned the Lord. And the Lord responded and said, The daughters of Zelophehad speak right. Thou shalt give them a possession of an inheritance among their father's brothers. (laughs) The prophet Joel was one of the first to really take on this subject. It says in Joel 2.28, it shall come to pass afterward. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. I, uh, I, I um, have to speak to... Uh, at one of these sessions for the Youth Congress in a couple of months. And, and um, this will be the crux of what I will be speaking on. I, I'm going to be 64 in a couple of weeks. And um, it, it's just, I'm in a different season of my life. And uh, my hair uh, is falling out, uh, my teeth are falling out, my eyes don't work very good, my knees are shot. Um, I, I'm, I'm not 20 years old anymore. And, um, uh, it, 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 but this, this, this place in the Bible fascinates me because it said old men are supposed to dream dreams and young men are supposed to see visions. And, um, <clears throat> I, I, you know, when you when your memories are more important to you than your dreams, you're getting old. If all you want to do is talk about the old days and the way it used to be, you're getting old. And um, I've I've enjoyed yesterday, but I've always tried to live in tomorrow. And and one of the duties that I feel that I'm supposed to do right now at this season in my life is, is not only personally, but to encourage other senior ministers to keep on dreaming. And if, you've, if you don't have any more dreams and all you want to do is talk about the past, it's time to hang up your spurs. But while senior ministers need to keep dreaming, you, you cannot discount the vision of the younger ministry that's in our church. And not just this church, but in the, in the church of the Lord. Because uh, I, I've said it for so long, you get, you get your strength in a church from your elders, but you get your life from your young people. And, and, and if dreams are the the backyard of, of an elder, and visions are uh, the domain of the younger, it, it fascinates me, it doesn't say without a vision people perish. Or, or it doesn't say without a dream people perish, it says without a vision people perish. So, Uh, I'm I'm grateful, and I want to be a dreaming old man, but but we're not. We're going to perish if we don't have a visionary young ministry, and we encourage those young people to to not only see it but to live it out. And this is hundreds of years, but if you know your Bible, this you know uh, some some smart aleck on the day of Pentecost said drunk. And Peter stood up and he said, Okay, I'll give you that. They are drunk, however, not like you suppose. And 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 he said, This is that. So, so so your this needs to have a that. Okay? Uh, there, there's a there's a there's a if you ever study ships, when ships are in a storm, they do something called kedging. And kedging is when you throw out two anchors, you throw one off the bow and you throw one off the stern. So you've got two lines and two anchors. One one is hooked to where you're going off the bow, and the other is thrown off the stern where you came from. And to me, it's a great example of the church that we need to make sure that we're hooked to the future and, and we know where we're going. But while we're on our way to the future, we better never lose our association with where we've been. And we've got to keep an anchor in our past. The Bible said, don't ever remove those old landmarks. You need to hang on to that. And, 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 and so, so Peter says, this is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel, which shall come to pass in the last days. Say, God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. And... Uh, all you have to do is is go to the account of Philip. Um, you, you, the church kept growing. You know, you you have about 120 at at at, uh, at nine o'clock on Sunday morning, the morrow after the Sabbath, and then before that day is out, 3,000 were added. Just a few verses later, they they're still counting. 5,000 are added, and uh, uh, it, it 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 grows in. in Obviously, you know, uh, the count was lost in just a couple chapters. But, but it's growing to the point that it's not just affecting Jewish people, but, but Gentiles and specifically Greeks. And, and when, you, when you go into, into those chapters after Pentecost, it said there arose a murmuring between the Greek widows and the Jewish widows. That the Greek widows felt like the Jewish widows were getting the better end of the deal. You know, they were getting the first choice of the dresses from the rummage sale, and they were getting the best cuts of meat and the biggest piece of chocolate cake. And and so the apostles found seven men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. And it's fascinating if you study the names of those seven men, none of the names are Jewish. They're all Greek names. And, And one of them is a guy by the name of Philip. Philip is the man in Acts chapter eight that went to Samaria. Samaria, what what is a Samaritan? A Samaritan is, is, is old history, it's bad blood. Assyrian soldiers who were an occupation army years before in Israel married Jewish girls. And the result of a union between an Assyrian soldier and a Jewish girl was a Samaritan. And so they were considered half breeds, they were considered sellouts. And if you look in your a map in your Bible, you'll have Judea up here, and then Samaria, and then Galilee. And the Jews always walked around Samaria. They wouldn't, they wouldn't even walk through it. It's the place where, where when Jesus on, had to go through Samaria, and and, and they, they, they accused him of being prejudiced and racist. And it said his face was set like a flint. It doesn't mean that he was racist. What it means was he's on the clock. He's got to get to Jerusalem at a very specific time because all these prophecies have to be fulfilled. And so he doesn't go around Samaria. He goes straight through it. And, and there's, there's lots of history and, and, and great, but Philip defying all real common consent and logic goes from the church of Jerusalem to Samaria. And it said that he preached Christ unto them. And it said that there were miracles and there was joy. And a lot of people were baptized and they called for the elders, came down. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It was a great experience. And, and, and what, 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 what amazes me. Philip is the only guy in the Bible that's ever referred to as an evangelist. No, no one else in the Bible is called an evangelist except Philip, but, but, but in, in Acts 21, Paul, years later, goes to Caesarea. So, Samaria has a, you know, Rome's in charge of the, of the civilized world and they have satellite cities away from Rome. And, and, and of course, one of those satellite cities where they had a Roman garrison of soldiers was Caesarea or Caesar. And, 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 and so that Philip lives in Caesarea and, and Paul years later visited him in Acts 21 and it said, the next day we, we, we that were of Paul's company departed and came into Caesarea and we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven or the seven original deacons and abode with him. Watch this and the same man had four daughters virgins which did prophesy <laughs> and and when when you talk about prophesying it's it's two words foretelling and forthtelling so it's not just making a prophecy about what's going to happen next week but what i'm doing right now is prophesying i am i'm not foretelling i'm forthtelling and 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 and, and, and this is very critical because there's been a lot of 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 debate over the years, you know. Women should be silent in the church, and and on and on. But 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 you got a guy here who's got four preaching daughters. And, and boy, that just—I—I I, I was in a, a seminary, a Bible college in Texas, and they—they they would have a debate every so many months, and and we had a debate whether they're women preachers or not, and it was my job to defend the women preachers, and uh, uh, I, I had a, a, a foolish woman. Uh, with me and uh, she didn't help at all her her reasoning was how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel and she said I've never seen a man with good-looking feet only women have good-looking feet so I know that's talking about women and I just wanted to say hush and just let me talk just stay away and uh, <laughs> but 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 this is what Joel prophesied your sons and your daughters and, he, and when you deal with servants, it was servants and handmaids. It was, it was tearing down these barriers. Matthew 9 is the story of this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, I think. And, 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 and here you go, I, I keep coming into this verse for the last four or five services. I keep coming up on it, but, but it's very. In, in Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament and 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 towards the end of malachi he he's prophesying about jesus coming and he said the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings and it's not s o n it's s u n and son is capitalized it's it's a prophecy about jesus christ and he said he's going to have healing in his wings, and I thought that was strange one time, so I, I started working on that word. And the word translated wing in English is a Hebrew word, kanaf, which also can be trained, translated edges or borders of the garment. So one of the ways you would be able to identify Messiah was, was the borders of his garment We're going to have healing power. And remember Zacchaeus, he had to climb up a sycamore to get above the crowd. This woman had to get beneath the crowd. I don't care if you got to get above them or beneath them. Just get to him. Don't let somebody keep you away from the Lord. And this woman obviously is crawling and sees what she's looking for. And she grabs the hem of his garment, stops Jesus in his tracks. I I, I remember... um, Year of 2000, I was on my way to speak in Sydney, Australia, and um, uh, my plane got delayed for five hours in Detroit because of weather. And um, uh, I I knew I was in real trouble. And and if you've ever been to Los Angeles, uh, the domestic terminal is at the bottom of the hill. The international flights are on the top of the hill and they don't have a little tram. You can get a, uh, a cab, or, if you, or you can walk, but it's a long walk. And so I, uh, I picked up my bags in, in Los Angeles, and I couldn't get a cab, so I, I took off running up the hill. I, I had Halliburton luggage, which looks like a toaster. It's all aluminum, you know, or as my grandma called it, Lunaman. And uh, in Australia, they call it aluminium. And so I'm running up the hill with my Lunaman suitcases and I get to the top and the Qantas customer representative was there and he said, uh, uh, Reverend Hoffman, um, the plane has already left the terminal. However, we stopped it out on the tarmac and, 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 and we, we want you to make the flight. And he said, Now, now, now run down this hall and you're gonna come into a big round room. And he said, there'll be all kinds of doors. He said, just go across the room, Go out the door, and you'll see your plane out there. We're pulling up a set of stairs. So, and I said, "You did that for me." He said, "Well, you paid a lot of money for this ticket, and we 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 wanted you to make the flight." And so I, I I go. I come into this room about this size, and there's doors all around it. I just walk straight across the other side, and it's when I hit that door, everything changed, man. Lights are flashing and sirens are going off. And I just keep on going, you know. And, and, and all of a sudden, I, I here's a guy running beside me he said, you gotta stop. You gotta stop. And I said, I gotta make my plane. And he said, I'm the security representative for Qantas Airline, Pastor. I'm please, please stop. I promise you, you won't miss your plane. And so I stopped and we're standing there huffing and puffing. He said, we gave you bad information. He said, see how your plane is all lit up? And it was dark, but my plane had a halo around it. He said, you see all that light around your plane? He said, that's not for you. He said, the president's in town and Air Force One is right behind your plane and that's all the security lights for Air Force One. You are running at the president's plane with two big old metal boxes. And he said, now, at any time now, and he no sooner said that, and I had about 12 ribbed bumblebees on my chest, just going like that. And and he said, don't say nothing. These guys have no sense of humor. All of a sudden, there's a helicopter above me. These guys slide down on ropes man, they, and this guy's screaming, he's with, he's with us, he's with us, he's with us, he's okay. They put my suitcases, they go through my suitcases, on and on and on, finally they're mm, 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 like this, you know? And so they said, okay, so I, 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 I they put my, my bags in the bottom of the plane, and it's a 747, You know, they don't have those anymore, but it's 350 people. When I walked on that plane, they're all standing, clapping, going, man, that was great. and the lady said Mr. Avakul, we get you some champagne I said, how about a Diet Coke and she said, we'll get you a better seat up here, so they put me in a beautiful seat on another side and I look out the window and here's the Beautiful baby blue belly of Air Force One, and and that big car they call it the Beast is at the bottom of the stairs. Guy, it looks like a hearing aid convention, man. Everybody's got a hearing aid, and this guy's going like this, going like this. All of a sudden, Bill Clinton comes out of the top, looks around, boom. They take him down the stairs, put him in a car, and he's gone. And I'm grinning, saying, "A hillbilly kid just stopped the most powerful man in the free world." <laughs> Wait till I tell Esther. Wow. That's that's what happened with this woman. She grabbed the bottom of that and it stuffed him. And he said, who touched me? And the disciples said, oh, come on, Jesus. Look at at this crowd. There's all kinds of people. He said, no, 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 no. There's a touch and then there's a touch. Virtue left me. He didn't say faith, he didn't say healing, he said virtue, and that's all he spoke to me. I think there's healing power in living a virtuous life. I really do. I think if you live a clean life, your prayers have precedent. buddy. all of a sudden, he said, who touched me? And this woman stood up and he said, it was me. What did Jesus say to the woman? Now, I don't care what the internet says. I don't care what the Da Vinci Code says. Jesus didn't have a girlfriend named Mary Magdalene. He didn't get married and he didn't have kids. But he calls this woman daughter. Why? Because every woman in the world is his daughter. (laughs) Every man on this planet is his son. I, 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 I am not here today preaching a social gospel of equality. Please don't get, get mistracked with what I'm dealing with here, but rather I want to preach a saving gospel of deliverance. I would be the very first one to admit to you that horrible and unspeakable things have occurred in the past. Not only between colors, but between cultures and between clans. But it can't ever be that way in the church. can't ever be that way in the church. You ever heard of Martin Luther King's dream, I have a dream speech? This is what he said that nobody quotes. There is something that I must say to my people who stand on the worn threshold which leads into the palace of justice. In the process of gaining our rightful place, we must not be guilty of wrongful deeds. Let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. So Kento, you're Japanese. You, inv- you invade a Pearl Harbor for God's sake. You can't be in a church. And I better be careful because my name's Hoffman, which means I'm them guys that put him in the, in the concentration camps. And Ben Neto, you can't come either because you're Eastern Europe. You people who have been messed up for years. And I can go on and on and on. We got a guy in this church named Mohammed. Do you understand that? Mohammed. You can't have a Mohammed in an apostolic church, or can you? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus' name. Don't you remember what Paul... Wait, my, my, it's just, my purpose is to speak to anyone who for whatever reason you think you're unworthy. Or you are unable for some reason and you remain unqualified to reap the rewards and the benefits of the cross and the grave and the resurrection. You have the privilege to do something Moses did not. You have, you can go to the word. And when you go to the word, you're going to find scriptures that go like this. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Amen. i just said fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, of eminent abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkard, reviler, extortioner, and such were some of you. But you're washed, you're justified, you're sanctified by the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So here's from another translation. Therefore, remember that formerly, you who are called Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body, of course, by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ for He is our peace Who is made of two, one has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And by the cross, which he put to death their hostility, he came and preached peace. For through him we both have access by the Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people, members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. You understand the significance of what he's saying? He's saying the world is full of strife and division and cliques and clans and categories, but Christ died so that all those barriers could be torn down and there wouldn't be white and black and red and yellow. This is what he said, that in Christ there's neither male nor female, bond nor free, Jew nor Greek, but we are one in him. Hallelujah! Thank God you women don't have to say, I'd like to have the Holy Ghost today. Oh, that's just for the sons. Thank God you don't have to say, I'd like to have my sins washed away, but no, that's just for the boys. It doesn't work that way. The Lord said these women are right. They're right to choose their case. They're right to plead their cause. I'm not just talking about men and women. I'm talking, I'm preaching to somebody right here today that the enemy has convinced you that somehow you've done something so terrible it can't be so horrible it can't be forgiven, so egregious that it can't be reversed and remitted. Let me tell you what Jesus said. Satan is a liar and the truth is not in him. Stand with me. Whatever you've done, whatever you've said, I'm not saying it was right. I'm not minimizing it, but what I'm telling you is there's something greater available to you Today. That the blood, if there's one sin the blood can't wash away, the blood can't wash away any of them. Don't ever put limits on the Calvary. Don't ever put limits on the cross. All ground is equal around the cross. All ground is equal around the cross. Amen. Come with me. Come with me around this altar. I got done the first service. Josh Blassie came up to me. He said, let me tell you about the end and the beginning, Pastor. He said, ten years ago, Marcel and I had a beautiful little girl, 37 weeks. She carried that girl. But when she was born, she was still born. Total determined. So we never did, they never did tell us how she died or why she died. And he said, when Marcel got got pregnant again, they were only, you know. There's three blood main blood vessels that, that go, you know, from, from the mother through, through, that, through that placenta and go into that baby. He said, we only had two. And they told us our boy was probably going to have brain damage, going to have irreversible problems. And she said, went for another ultrasound. And all of a sudden, the man said, would you wait just a minute? I need to bring the original doctor in here. And all of a sudden, the doctor who had first diagnosed and said, you only have two blood vessels, just looked at them. And he said, I'm, I, I'm, I have no explanation for what's going on, but, but your son has three blood vessels. And, and, and he said, Pastor, when, when that man said that to me that day. He said, that's when I knew that I had a promise from God that I was going to hold my very own boy in my very own arms in just a little while. He said, what looked like the end months before was literally the beginning of a new journey of faith for me. And he said, now, based on what I've seen God done, he said, I have no barriers on my faith right now. And he said, I can be broken in prayer. I know what that feels like to be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And all, and you think, My God, it's the end. It's not the end. It's the beginning of a brand new life. A brand new, for each new level, you get a brand new devil. But you get more than a new devil. I'm telling you, you get a new revelation and a new insight. That I've got access to something today that I never had access to before. Please hear me. Please hear me. The restraints have been taken off. You don't have to plead your case in your cause today. Every son of God that's here and every precious woman, you are a daughter of Zelophehad. And you have every right to say, I want what everybody else got. He's no respecter of persons. Amen. If He's done it for one, He's on record to do it for all. In the name of Jesus. Lift your hands with me. Lord Jesus, You said our steps are ordered. You said our times are in Your hands. I believe, Lord, that You're the puppet master of the universe. I believe that You brought these men and these women into this room right now. Not just to hear wonderful music and to hear Your Word. I believe that that worship was for You. But I believe the Word was for the church to build up their faith to come to a point of experience right now we've had word we've had lab amen now we need we need something needs to happen here we've had worship we've had word now we need some warriors now we need something to go on lord we need a demonstration of your power and of your spirit So I'm believing you, God, from my left to my right, from this platform back to that sound booth. I'm believing you to do a mass healing. I don't know what's wrong. And even if I did, I couldn't fix it. Ah, Jesus, but you are the great physician. You are the great physician. Amen. You can straighten a spinal cord. You can mend a mind. You can mend a marriage. You can put Humpty Dumpty back together again, Lord. And I pray and I ask you humbly right now that whoever's in this room that for whatever reason has bought into the lie that it's beyond their grasp and they're never going to have it. It's for everybody else but them. You said anybody, everybody can come. Everybody can come and drink of the water of life freely. Amen. If it's in order, I don't want you to do anything inappropriate. But if you feel so led, would you lay your hand, amen, on someone beside of you right now? And if you ever got anointed, get anointed right now. Get anointed right now. Lord Jesus, if there's anything good in me, take it out of me and give it to them. Freely I have received. Freely I give away. I may know their name, but I don't know everything they're dealing with. I don't know everything that's confronted them. You said every weapon that was formed against us, is not going to prosper that the enemy already built the bomb he's already tightened up the wire but it's not going to detonate it's not going to go off all this wasted effort that the enemy has spent trying to lay a trap for this woman and to try and lay the destruction for this man it's not going to work because today I heard the word that said I can have what rightfully is mine